Warning, this podcast will definitely contain spoilers. Watch the movie first. This is the Flix X-Raid podcast, starting in 5, 4... X-Ray, and I'm your host, Tony. Your host, Jeff. Tonight we have with us the lovely Natasha. What's up? And a new sound guy, Brian. You forgot about me already? No, you're new. Oh. Anyway, so tonight we're going to be doing the movie Blazing Saddles. So the movie's basic premise is, to ruin a western town, a corrupt political boss appoints a new black sheriff to the town in which becomes a bit of a formidable adversary because of this new sheriff. This movie is a famous Mel Brooks movie, you know, that guy from the 70s who makes funny things. And Gene Wilder and Slim Pickens and Cleavon Little are the stars of this film. So anyway, let's uh, let's get right into this. Uh, James, or fuck, I'm fucking this up already. Attractive James. <laughs> yes, attractive, attractive James. James. James too. You love this movie. You you wanted to do this one because you were like, I love this movie. It's you're such a fan. What's your favorite gag? Ooh, I'm throwing you under the bus right to begin. Right off the bat. Welcome to how this works. Tony likes to throw people under the bus. Yeah, you know. I have to admit I'm a little bit behind here because everyone got to catch up on this one recently and I had 24 hours notice to remember it. So. Oh. Well, so you, you you said you were down? Yeah, yeah, I was down. I was down, but I haven't watched it in like eight months. So, so. What, what's the one that you, okay, what's, what's the gag then that really sticks in your mind whenever you think about this movie? Someone's just blazing saddles and you go. You know, it goes back to when I finally saw Rain Over Me. There's one scene where Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle go to a, 12 hour movie marathon of films and 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 there's the one scene of when uh when the sheriff here is about to come into town for the first time and you know back then there's a lot more racial slurs to describe african-american people and it, the whole gag is every time he pulls the line of the n-word the town bell rings and so here's this just angry old minor guy basically losing it on the roof and every time he goes to describe the guy coming into town the bell rings so everyone's like oh nay the new sheriff's coming the new guy who's gonna save us all and yeah he was like announcing he was like he's a and then the bell would like ring and it was like oh he's he's near he's near he's Says. Yeah, exactly. Oh That's, God! Even though it's not probably socially acceptable anymore, it's still probably one of the funniest things I've seen. Well, even at that time, saying the word was not socially acceptable. No, no, that that's very true. It's actually I was reading a thing about that and scene in particular about how uh, Chevron Little is the main actor, right? Cleveland Little. Cleveland Little. That's that's it. I Cleveland Chevron. I said I said that wrong. Yeah, it's Clevon Little. He he's Bart, right? And he he actually had to go up to the guy and said, "No, it's okay. It's okay. You call me that. Like I'm not gonna be mad because like even the actors almost didn't want to say that word because of just like the negative stipulation that comes along with it." But anyway, so Tasha. Oh shit! Um, favorite gag. Candy grams from Mongo. Oh, God. <laughs> Candy grams from Mongo. That was actually probably my favorite. Because here's the thing, okay? Like, 
before I had actually never seen this film until we had asked me to watch this film. Yeah, uh, for this podcast. And uh, well, I, I knew you liked Young Frankenstein. Well, I, I really like that. I, I I really like films of that kind. It just you know when you grow up in a household where films aren't necessarily a big part of growing up, you miss a lot of films growing up. So now that we have this. It's been a great experience to be able to watch all these different films. So I had actually done at work, I had done a candygram for Valentine's Day. I was on the social committee and I was in charge of candygrams. Now, my reference was always the land shark. I always reference the land shark as a result. SNL, nice. Yeah, I always reference the land shark. And or are you referencing Cable Guy? No, I, I was referencing SNL. Oh, okay. And my counterpart, my partner in crime, she always would be like, candygrams for Mongo. And I didn't get it. I was like, what? who's Mongo? like what the f are you talking about and she's like have you not seen blazing saddles and i was like no she's like oh like she almost slapped me right then and there she's like you have to watch this film well, i'm sorry i failed you as a husband to, to it for it to be this long before i showed you blazing saddles <sighs> it's, it's actually i've discovered that's such a guy film because every girl i've ever talked to about this film has actually said that it, they got shown it by a boyfriend or like a, like well, a guy let's put it this way if you walk down the street and you saw a poster for this movie you probably wouldn't have watched it. It looked odd. It like, did. It's, it it's, looked odd. Yeah, it looked very cool. odd. It looked like some like a real cheesy movie that they pumped out in a weird period of time. Yeah. Okay. No, I can totally agree with that. Um, it's actually funny because if you look at uh, if you even look at the poster now, um, there's some points I really like about it. If you look at the coin in the background, it says "In Bell Brooks We Trust." Ah. And uh, if you, uh, it, it's actually one of the funny, one of the other funny things about that poster. I'm glad you brought that up because um, the headband of it, the chief, that's Mel Brooks, right? Like he's the yeah, chief yeah. in the background there. Well, the did he the, play the, another role too? Yeah, he played two roles in the movie. Right. But um, so the headband actually says in Yiddish. Um, oh God, what does it say in Yiddish? I looked this up the other day because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I can't remember now, but it, it actually says something in Yiddish. I'd like to mention that there's really only one record of a poster for this movie. Like, every VHS release has the same cover. Yeah. Every DVD has the same cover. <laughs> hmm. Let's just say that the moment you guys told me Gene Wilder was in this film, I was sold. Yeah. Well, he is fantastic. Hmm. And you know what? I think as so many people know him as his role as Willy Wonka, and I don't even think that's his best role. Hmm. No, I, I had only seen Willy Wonka when I saw this movie. So I'm like... Hey, look, it's drunk Willy Wonka. <laughs> Often his crazy old wacky antics in the Wild West. What? Let's just say that this particular character of Gene Wilder, um, I actually wrote in my notes that this that Gene Wilder has a nice ass in these jeans. This isn't Willy Wonka the usual. He does look very sexy, even with his crazy hair. That was during his peak acting period, though, wasn't it? Yes. Like, yeah. Well, th this was actually released the same year as Young Frankenstein. Yep. No, the they way. did the back was to done, back. It was same yeah. director... Same stars, well, same star, as well as uh, Lily von Stopp. She was also in it too. Yeah, no, it's it's totally a fantastic movie. I think this is one of those classic movies that totally stands up. But Jeff, what's your favorite gag? There's too many. To <laughs> Frankly, there's a couple I really didn't like. Well, that wasn't the question, Jeff. I know. We'll, we'll get to that. It's fine. The dimes. Dimes. The toll booth where they have to go oh. get dimes. Oh, oh God, that's yeah. one of the best. I know how to slow them down. <laughs> Damn, we need dimes. Who's got dimes? That, that, that is Mel Brooks to a T, I gotta say. You know, just, just that point where you... Where they recreate we, the you, town. Everything about Mel Brooks, though, in general, is like you just look at it and you're like, 
that oh, like it's a total facepalm thing, and then you laugh about it later. I find, <laughs> like you just we're like, going to rebuild the town two miles away, <laughs> and we're going to hope that they come in at exactly this angle. Well, no, they knew exactly where they were coming from. That is true. They knew exactly down to the degrees of angle. If they came came in at ten degrees to the side, they'd be like, huh? <laughs> yeah, they knew exactly yeah. which way they were coming from. Yeah. So they only really had to build like two sides of the town. And actually, if you watch the scene movie closely, you'll see that it's like they kind of made an exterior to make yeah. it look like it was a side of town, but then everything's just like a big cardboard cutout. Fair enough. What about you, Tony? Well, my favorite scene is actually when it's uh, Cleveron. Is that it? Cleveland. 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 Cleveland Little. Okay, I'm pronouncing that terribly. Anyway, Cleveland Little. When he's telling the story about how he came out to the West and he was part of the wagon train. And then it's like, it goes to the wagon train. And then they're like, way back. Like, they're not allowed to be in it. And then the Indians attacked them, so they made a wagon circle. Well, we had made our own wagon circle. And it's just them going around in a circle really fast. That's one of my favorites. Uh, and then Mel Brooks is an Indian chief going, oh, he darker than us. Good luck. And like, yeah. Well, and as the Indian chief, the best part is he's speaking Yiddish. <laughs> like he's not speak like he's actually just speaking Yiddish as opposed to like trying to even fake a Native American. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not Native American. That's like Yiddish. It's yeah. actually Yiddish. I didn't know what language it was, but I was like, that's not a Native language whatsoever. Actually, that that's one of the funniest things about this. A lot of movies get multiple releases in multiple languages, right? So you see, often movies are released in English and French and or you know German, German or something like that, right? Like very common languages. This movie got released in English. German, and Yiddish. So they made a Yiddish version. The entire movie's in Yiddish. And next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so since Jeff wants to talk about things he didn't like because he just likes to poop on things. Tasha, am... since you, you're staring Shit. so blankly Shit. at me. Well, you're just um, so damn what's attractive, your... Tony. Thank you. Thank you. I, I like to hope my wife would stare at me, but, you know. Times are tough, man. <laughs> anyway. Um, what, what's your least favorite bit about this movie? Mm, okay. So I actually started watching this film and I thought the first 20 minutes were incredibly boring. You remember I, hanging the man in the wheelchair? <laughs> like, okay. But you know, that's actually the point where I actually started <laughs> thinking horse. that. It, okay. So you asked me my opinion yeah, yeah, sorry, and sorry. I interrupted me. Sorry. The point is, is that the, the film started off very campy. Very like, um, I liked a lot of the, I liked parts of the opening but i found that the overall opening was incredibly slow and it wasn't until they started hanging people like that particular gag that started happening that the, that the i found like it horse, actually the horse having a noose yeah well. like and i actually thought that that was when it started to pick up but until that point i actually was like what the f am i watching like this is just racist and horrible and slapstick and like but slapstick for slapstick's sake yeah yeah. You know, you kind of have to buy into it, right? But it takes that, that moment of having to buy into it. So, you know, when the two black guys are, you know, pumping the card at the end and then all of a sudden they're sinking in the quicksand or whatever, like... Oh, that was a $20 card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wait, I'm standing on the That rail. was probably my least favorite part was that the beginning was just really slow. Overall, I actually really enjoyed the film. I just found that the beginning was slow and it was really slow to kind of catch me in it. I, I can understand that. There's actually big chunks at the beginning that also are slow for me. I like I love the opening bit where it's like sing one of your Dan songs or whatever, and then like they start singing like an they actual... do like a barbershop quartet, which I thought was actually yeah. I made a note of it that I really liked that they yeah. were much more polished and cultured than the other guys because the other guys yeah that was Camp the Town. joke and that was the yeah, best thing a railroad song you know like Camp Town Camp Town, Camp Town, Town Races. Races Camp Town Ladies. Ladies. 
Is it Countdown Ladies? Oh, okay. Countdown Ladies. Okay, that's song. right. That's right. Uh, Sorry, the more politically correct one these days is Countdown Races or something. I don't know. They sang a version of the song I'd never actually heard before, too. I was like, I've never heard of it sung that way. That was a great Yeah, Tasha, totally right. It just totally takes a moment to get get its it takes, footing. It takes you a moment to kind of like, if you've never, if you don't know what you're getting into, if you've never seen it before, it's hard for a new person to see this film and get right into it right away. It's kind of like there was no introduction. It was like, bam, here's the humor. And you were like, whoa, like what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, and it's it's in a weird way sketch comedy without the sketch. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what I feel a lot about this yeah. film is there's a lot of sketch elements, but without the actual sketchness to it it's like forced into a plot and, and you know what not even knowing what you're getting into right you know all you see is mel brooks no blazing saddles I had, I had no idea what i was getting into except for that it was a western um okay so that that's tasha's least favorite i know jeff has words to talk but i'm not gonna let him just yet because it's brian's turn uh-oh <laughs> we're traveling to the other spectrum here okay the ending oh, oh what did i hate the ending you hate Thank the you. The the breaking of the third, like the whole like the whole third wall and, like, thing and all into, that. Like the gay like, dancing. It had some giggle moments, but it's kind of like really you're gonna drag this joke out for that long. It, okay, it was a little long. It. it was a little long. You know, it was long. You know, it was like okay, we get it. You know, he's trying to run away. He's trying to escape the action, and then oh hey, he gets like a pie in the face or something. I, yeah, that part where he walks in the bathroom, gets a pie, and then comes back out. I never understood that. It's very uh, slapstick for slapstick's sake. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It's kind of like, oh, hey, look, the one person who tried to hide from it in the big fight. Oh, what do you know? He's in it too. Oh, actually, fun. I what I I really did enjoy that whole bit. Like, I get it, it's kind of a cop out. It's totally a Mel Burke's film, and I love the fact that they like just break through a wall into another set this is a closed set this is a mel brooks film and just punches him pretty much not the face not the face but again Uh. if not for the fact that it was mel brooks it would have been a terrible decision yeah it totally would but i i love that and i it it is a mel brooks film and you have to understand that it did get dragged out quite a bit and i didn't like the fact that he was hiding from it but i love like the the sideways where it's like and next we're gonna go to the cafeteria you may see some stars and like it like all of a sudden is all back to the fighting and then it like comes out and they're all covered in pies. It broke away so much from the movie. Like yeah. It just really, it's like, let's just throw out the last hour and a half. I, I almost feel like he was just, he was sitting here and he goes, well, we've got this conflict and we kind of, we can resolve it, but how do we resolve it? And in a comedic way. In a comedic way. Like there's no way to really resolve this conflict yeah, in a comedic way. Yeah, you can really way. close that one off. That- and so it's like, that's the best way that I found like for a comedy to resolve the conflict. And cause you notice that I've noticed that in a lot of com- comedic movies you'll have this like weird bit like 20 minutes from the end or 10 minutes from the end where all of a sudden it's like it just gets super serious conflict's finally resolved like there's no humor in the way the conflict is solved and then all of a sudden it's like okay now we're we've beaten whatever we need to back to the comedy we have 10 minutes of like gags at the end of the movie and then it's done but that happens in all of them that happens in austin powers like you know there's sure that gag of him getting the thing stuck, but then all of a sudden they finally get to Dr. Evil. There's like a shootout. Dr. Evil escapes and blah, done. Okay. Then you get some jokes in there about them freezing and his mojo and shit. But that's the way like all comedic movies are is they have this really harsh, like 10 minute period where they finally resolve the conflict. And then it doesn't actually add. And the funniest thing is in most comedies, no one remembers that part. Yeah. That's a, that's why it's, it's probably just best to turn it off not... 20 minutes beforehand. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you should 
you can almost just not watch the end of comedic movies and you still get the full effect of the but movie. But I have to say, I did really enjoy the part where they're like, oh, let's go in and see what happens. And then they go and they sit in the theater and then they go and they watch like Headley move wherever he goes. And, you know, it, it was kind of, I, I did like that part of the gag. Where they that were they like, watched the movie? <laughs> yeah, they go into the movie theater to watch the film and yeah. watch where the bad guy goes. That was closer to Mel Brooks style, you know, like space yeah. balls and all that stuff, right? Yeah. What are we doing? We're watching ourselves right now. Yeah. What's like happening? When they, now. What, like uh, in Spaceballs when they rewind it and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, God. Wait, let's just fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not on to Spaceballs. No, we're Tony, not, we're not doing that. Tony, what's your least favorite spot? You know, I'd, I'd have to say there's a couple gags that just don't get explained or kind of left a little bit. So one of the gags that is funny but not funny at the same time is when um, What's-Her-Face, the dancer, is on stage and she's singing terribly. Oh, I'm right, so I was tired. so tired. He's breaking so stole my tired. spot. Yeah, like, well, you wanted me to go. You <laughs> yeah. could have had this spot, man. Yeah, you're the one that introduced it to Tony, saying, "What's your least favorite?" You totally missed out on this if I'm you had so a point. Tired. Yeah, like that song was just brutal, and I found myself sitting there going, "Can this scene end?" Like, it's not funny. At least I didn't find it funny. She had a couple quips to people in the audience like, is that a 10-gallon hat? Are you happy to see me? To the guy who's got his hat over his crotch, right? Yeah. But, like, aside from those lines, like, that scene was almost serpiflous. But it kind of served a point. It served a point that um, she's unimpressed with her life and she's currently, like, she's like, okay, do whatever you want. And then she sleeps with the black guy and... She all the- never goes back. And yeah, and then she's, it's, well, once you go black, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, do you joke. have to go? Do you have to go? Like, she's just super like, stay. It's like, it's true what they say about black guys. Well, I like that they cut a line out of that scene when she sees him in the dark. Because initially she goes, it's true, it's true. They're really, <laughs> you it's know. True, it's true, And like, there's, there's supposed to be one line after that that totally got cut. And he goes, you're sucking my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but it totally got cut, yeah, and just to kind of leave to the comedic effect of the "it's true, it's true" line, right? And that—that's just kind of the way I. That would explain why that line never made any sense to me. Why it's true, it's true. A black cock joke. Yeah. What? Yeah. No, like, like how maybe, did that I, I not know, make maybe, sense maybe to you? How did that not make sense to you? Honestly, I was probably. Kind of bored in that scene, so I probably didn't pay as much. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 a penis joke for crying out loud. It is a penis joke. They are making literally jokes. A black cock joke, (laughs) and it's a big. It's it's the bigger blacker dick joke. Nice. Anyway, that that aside, uh, so So, so Jeff, now now your turn. Your turn. The floor is yours. Slim Pickens. (laughs) I am still going to go with that spot because I hate that freaking like Kripke accent from Big Bang where they can't do an l or an r sound it's like a roticism or something like that i'm so thick and tired and he can't pronounce an r oh it drives me nuts because there's no reason for it in that song oh it makes me absolutely furious because there's no reason for it at this point like it's not like it's an accent for a german person it's not like anything like that it's completely useless in this entire scene it serves no purpose Oh, but if I was to choose a different scene and I didn't have to choose the last scene because I hated the end scene as well. Wow. It's like Jeff just hated this movie. No, I didn't actually, but could have fooled me anyway. Ouch. Ouch. Turns up. Hmm? <laughs> no, if I was to choose something, 
I would say it's a lot of those scenes in like the office of the railroad tycoon that are just kind of boring. There's a lot of scenes where they're just trying to develop plot and they're really doing it poorly. It's like I said, Wait, the one with the governor or the one with Headley when he was like with Headley. Okay, where's my frog? Where's my frog? Oh God. That's not my frog. Where's Froggy? I need Froggy. Froggy. Yeah, he's sitting in the bath, and then the dude, what's his oh, face is looking yeah, for the frog, yeah, yeah, and he sticks yeah, yeah. his hand, and he goes, "I found him." That's not, not Froggy. froggy. <laughs> I, I feel like they were trying to make a PG movie and a 14A movie at the same time. <laughs> like, like, hey, hey, if we cut out all these scenes, we can release it for children. If we cut out these ones, we can it's release an adult it. Flick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we can do the best of. Both this was worlds. an adult fic from beginning to end. Like, don't even kid yourselves. The well, colorful use... language assured that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. There is no doubt this is an adult film. But you know what? If you if you cut out the colorful language, you know it could have been. If they it cut out all more... of like the racial slurs and all the language, yes, this actually probably could have been a kid's like film. If you look at it, you know they they threw that in because of the trying to represent the times, but. Uh... I don't know. I think a lot of the story could be salvaged without the racial stereotypes. Okay, so, you know, you're you're a huge advocate of loving this movie. Do you think it holds up? Like, I know you haven't, you said you haven't watched it in eight months, but, like, do you feel this movie holds up over time? It it seems to, you know. We're going back to a golden era of films where they weren't trying to go crazy with special effects. They weren't trying to go crazy with... You know, CGI really wasn't out then. My favorite special effect is uh, when Gene Wilder had to shoot people and prove that he was faster and he didn't even fucking move. Yeah, that was like one (laughs) of the best. That was my favorite special effect right there. He's just sitting there with like his arms crossed and it's just like all of them lose their guns. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where he takes the chess piece. Like that that was the best with the Waco kid who got shot in the ass by a kid. (laughs) And we then shot. It's a dark moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you know what? I think we found that uh, Mel Brooks really generally holds up. But, you know, even if we ignore this movie, it, again, this is a bit of a side point to Spaceballs, but here's a movie that, you know, Mel Brooks, everybody knows Mel Brooks because of Spaceballs. No. 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 Nope. Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Actually, Blazing Saddles. I yeah, can actually... a lot of people will actually say it's one of those three movies that everyone knows him off. You may know him because of Spaceballs, right? But I know him because of Young Frankenstein. Like that's my first introduction to Mel Brooks was Young Frankenstein because that's what my dad loved, right? Like my dad just adored Young Frankenstein, and like let a me lot just of... point out, I actually have not seen Spaceballs. I'm a Star Wars fan, and have it's not okay. Seen I haven't Star seen Wars. Young Frankenstein. Oh, so well, there you know. go. Okay. Yeah. See, this is what I mean. He Kids has chat. some pretty iconic movies, and it's like you can't just pinpoint one or the other, which everyone gravitates towards, because no, he but... does so many parody type films. It's like whatever you're big into is whichever one that you identify most with. So for me, I'm not a big fan of western films. I just never have, but I love the horror genre. So Young Frankenstein to me is just such a great film because it makes it's poking so much fun at horror films and by the way you not seeing young frankenstein we will have to fix that this yeah year. no kidding just saying Apparently, yeah but yeah. you know the, the, and space balls you're gonna have to fix yeah that that, that yeah. true there darling the, the thing is about it is mel brooks really nailed the parody aspect of it oh yeah like every mel brooks movie is iconic the three movies are just the movies everyone knows. Yeah, that. and the thing is, is he held out okay. I mean, the the nearest example I can come to of a movie in that era, and God forbid I mention it, is The Three Amigos. 
Oh, God. Oh, I love the Three Amigos. But you know what? It hasn't stood the test of time. No, it hasn't. And Three that, Amigos and, is one of those ones that just doesn't. That's the thing about Mel Brooks is, you know, I, I don't think he was planning on... What, what year did it just come out? 74. So we are now 31 years? 31 years. Yeah, it's 31 been 31 years. years. 31 years ago. I bet you Mel Brooks 41. wasn't thinking. Was it 40? Oh, whoops. Math. Sorry. <laughs> Coming from the engineer. Math. So, 41 years later, a piece of work, completely different generation, still shares the same level of humor. Why? Maybe we deem it as historically accurate. No. This is not historically accurate. The oh. amount of anachronisms of this film... The candygram. Yes. It's, okay, it's, but... It even makes a line. But, but it spoofs. It is a spoof. Okay, it is a satirical piece. It entirely oh, yeah. satires a Western genre. Okay, which means that everybody can relate to it because it exaggerates everything about the commonalities of all Western films. Yes. And now I'm going to put a challenge on you guys. Oh shit! Can you think of any pop culture references that were in this movie? And maybe that's why it stood the test of time. Candy Graham from Mongo. Candy Graham from Mongo. Yeah. I guess I'd have to give you that one. It's not really pop culture references, with the exception of they sing a Frank Sinatra song. We, we spoke about Austin Powers earlier, right? Yeah. That movie is, has so many pop culture references, it's sickening. I, I love it to death. Whoa. But you know what? 20 years from now, you're going to have to go back and explain all these things to people. We'll show it to our kids and be like, okay, at the time... See this sexy British beast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this was a joke because... That's not sexy. That's and unfortunately, sexy. we'll still have to explain who Beyonce Knowles is. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? Queen Bay? Queen Bay. If we're talking about pop culture references, I put two notes in here. There was one that everyone, I looked at and I had to go, what? They drop a pop culture reference right in the middle of the movie and all the bra- bad guys just go, Randolph Scott. And I went, who the hell is this guy? They all just drop and like hats to their chest. I'm like, what is going on? And he's an old, old, old Western star that apparently it was a pop culture icon back in the 70s. So if we want to go back on the pop culture train. Oh, damn, Jeff. Oh, and there's another one. <laughs> they actually made a reference to Looney Tunes with the Candy Grounds from Mongo. Yeah, when did. he left, yeah. it was the Looney Tunes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Time, time well, for me to get slapped because for years I thought Mel Brooks <laughs> and Mel Blanc were the same guy. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so oh. I, I also want to make a point of reference of, so when Mongo rides into town, he rides in on a bull. It's actually a cow, but it's a longhorn steer, right? Now, on its ass is painted yes and no. Do you yeah. know why that is? No. I, I wondered. I saw that and I was like, what the... F-? So that that's a thing of the time. I had to look this up because I was like, why the fuck does the bull say yes or no? At that time, school buses would have yes on the side to pass on and no on the side to not pass on. I thought it was which cheek to slap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. But anyway... Do you so have th- yes and no painted on your cheeks? Then? So You want to find out? Yeah. <laughs> so the joke is that Mongo's the size of a bus. That's what that joke is. But because Are we you slow in, like a short bus. That's very specific. That's very specific. So us growing up in a time where school buses don't have yes and no painted on the back of them. That's a pop culture reference that is totally lost on us. I think that's clearly a sign of the loss of humanity. <laughs> what? That we don't paint yes or no? That we don't no? put yes or no on the back of buses? Big fucking flashing lights to say, hey, hey, hey don't fucking hey. pass. <laughs> or a stop sign. Jesus Christ. Out. Here's a sign to hit you in the face. Stop. 
Yeah, it's more. They don't even use the goddamn it. fucking stop signs yeah, on the I've side never, of the bus. Has anyone ever seen that thing popped out? Yeah. I did. It scared the shit out of me. It reminded me of the you know that uh, dinosaur from Jurassic Park that spits the fucking oil. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like. <laughs> 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 Children! <laughs> uh, ah, they're coming in crops! <laughs> all right, all right, anyway. Let's get back to this. Yeah. Lovely, lovely Did movie. you know that this movie had six third wall breaks? Oh, at least. Fourth wall breaks? Sorry, yeah. fourth wall breaks. Fourth I wall. actually counted. I actually had a tally running of how many times they broke the fourth I, wall. Are you counting the scene, the fight scene as one continuous no, one? I or, actually or, or didn't even ca- count that at all. I counted it as, as, as its own oh, Okay, gag. Okay, so there's six scenes outside of the fight scene. Yeah, where people looked at the camera and said something. like, And that little old lady, by the way, the little old lady who lived in the old town, she was probably one of my favorites. She'd be like, oh, how what a horrible town. And she'd like, look right at the, like, the screen or whatever. The only thing I was really sad about is I was hoping that in the final fight scene, she would, like, kick ass. I was hoping the little old lady would kick ass because... Just come out of nowhere and beat the shit out of people. Well, yeah, I hope she would because she seriously spent, like, the first part, like, getting beaten up and she had sassy comments the whole way through. And and she was actually... I think she did, like, two or three of the fourth wall breaks by herself. So I was expecting her to turn around and uh, kick ass right at the end or at least have a sassy effing comment. But it was like, I guess she was only at the beginning of this film. Yeah. Or the... You have the good sense not to mention that he came to see you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, she had sassy comments from beginning to end. Like, it was like every time it was on her, she just had a sassy comment to give. But apparently, she was they... sassy grandma. She was sassy grandma. I would love that sassy grandma as my grandma. Oh, which, yeah. which I must admit is kind of funny considering every single townsperson is related. Oh, yeah, that scene they in the share, town hall they when all... they share all share the same last name. I'm, I'm just reading the, the full cast list here. We've got Olson Johnson, Reverend Johnson, Howard Johnson, Van Johnson, Gary oh, Johnson, yeah. Harriet Johnson, Dr. Sam Johnson. They're all Johnsons. <laughs> they're all Johnsons. I know. Yeah, and they're all related. That, but, that's a very valid which, point. Which leads to the giant penis joke. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So here comes a new Johnson. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to talk about fourth wall breaks, how about anachronisms in this movie? Am I going to have to say to you what I say every damn podcast? What's that? It's a fucking film. No, if we're going to talk about fourth wall breaks, I'm going to have to bring in the use of anachronisms in here. I don't, I don't mind them in this movie because they actually work. Well, it's because it's a satire. Yeah, but in a lot of other films, it just. If it wasn't don't a satire, work. they're not quite as acceptable. But in a satire, pretty much everything goes. Yeah, Brian, that's what I'm going to ask. So you're going to have to know that uh, Jeff likes to point out science inaccuracies in all movies. And I have to sit here and go, it's a science fiction movie, and it's science. You know what we should watch? We should watch A Million Ways to Die in the West. That sounds like fun. Yes. By the way. Because Anyways. Then you're going to appreciate it. Anyways, anachronisms. Please <laughs> yeah. tell me yes. Tell me what you saw, what annoyed you the most about them. Oh. Or what. I'm trying to think of some right now, but. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Shit talker. Shit yeah, talker. Yeah, I was going to say, seriously, bringing up the word and then not having the examples to back it up. I had this last week when I watched the movies. I had a list and I can't remember where they are anymore. Okay. Can I just take a moment real quick? Can I talk about the part where the sheriff takes himself hostage? Oh, <laughs> yes, please. That is my favorite part. It is one of the best scenes. And oh, to my me, God. Like, Brian talks about the um, accuracy, like, you know, that scene that made him come watch this mo- movie from another movie, uh, which, by the way, Rain Over Me 2007. Uh, I looked it up for you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> anyway, that scene is one of the ones that I always, whenever I think of Blazing Saddles, it's, don't do it. I think he's going to do it. He's crazy. He's going to do it. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Oh god. Oh man, that is one of the best. Anyway, sorry Tasha, you wanted to bring it up and No, I, totally I brought it up off. so that people could totally talk about it because I actually thought it was fantastic. I love when he go when he go closes the door and he goes, God damn they stupid <laughs> <laughs> And then introduction to Gene Wilder right there. Yeah. Uh, what is it a minute after that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the guy was like upside down and he was like, drunk he's like, how, you know, are you drunk? He goes, are you black or whatever the heck <laughs> yes, it was? Yes, then I'm not drunk. <laughs> then I'm not drunk <laughs> or I'm not dreaming or whatever yeah. the line was. How about the ridiculous preacher in this movie? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, good Lord, bless this man's name and steady his head. And <laughs> the scene where he takes himself hostage, though, I just like that it was his, It was like his subtle reaction. Like, everybody's, like, slowly pointing his guns at him. And then all of a sudden, he just, like, takes his gun and, like, joins, joins it. Him. And it's like... And, and, and I actually Don't watched it. Gets it. <laughs> and I was like... What just happened? He's, like, he's not slow about it at all. He's like, no, look, watch. He's slow about it. He, he's actually kind of like he like looks around and then he goes. It's like he wants to join the party. It's like everyone else is doing it. I might as well. Like that's that's totally where I thought the gag was going at first was that everyone else is doing it, so he's gonna do it too. My, I think actually that just shows his character, and I think that's the best part. Well, about he's his so character. intelligent. This he's the most intelligent, intelligent character in the entire movie, and that's why he succeeds at what he's doing because where everyone else is just trying to use blunt force idiocy and guns and shit he's like i got another way to take down mongo i'm gonna give him a present that blows up in his face and then chain him to two cells mongo has joined the party in in all honesty gene wilder does not play a significant role in this movie. no he's highly credited and a lot of people think about him but his role is like very very minor small he's like just he's like the epitome of sidekick he is so very little in this movie it's ridiculous. He's just always there after the he, action. He serves as a key point for the story. Yeah. Like, it's just something to follow. Without that, it would have just been an hour and a half, two hours well, of just he... random humor, which was not a bad thing, but... It kind of yeah. is the glue and the catalyst. Yeah. It kind of pushes it along. <sighs> well, he's the he's the character that kind of makes uh, Cleveron... I'm Cleveland. Cleven. Uh, I, I don't know why I add an R in there. I'm fucking crazy. Anyway... Cleveland, he he's like he keeps getting asked by Gene Wilder why he's doing things or like you know it's it's almost like the exposition is forced because of Gene Wilder's character. Yeah. Like on on that side at least. It's like um uh whenever you're dealing with the guy who they always pronounce his name wrong. Uh we, I just Headley. 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 Anytime they deal with Headley. Headley. Yeah, Headley. anytime that Headley's by himself for exposition, there's the dumb idiot guy who asks them questions and Can looks I just for Froggy. Real quick, shit. point out that Headley was in the Star Wars Christmas special. The actor was he? Yes, this particular actor was. was what was he? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, we'll but he actually he actually was in the Star Wars Christmas special. Funny story, both James and I have not seen that Christmas special yet. Neither have I, and I am a Star Warsian. The thing is, is I'm saving it for the right moment. The Just right when I moment? think there's no hope left in life, I'll remember, they then made this. Then there's a it. new hope. Are, are you no, going to just... Whoa, 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 whoa. So you're saving you're it for when you feel there, like Jeff. there's no hope left? <laughs> yeah. So, you're, so wait, you're you're essentially going to oh, wait until on, you're just God. about to commit suicide and then go, no, they made another Star Wars movie that's a Christmas no, no, special. No, 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 he's going to no, say it's, it's worse. Guess what? Yeah, life could get a whole lot worse. Life could get a whole lot worse. You could be in the Star Wars special like Hitley. Okay, 
See, I was just worried that you were saving it to kind of brighten your mood, and I was about to just burst your little bubble and say, if that's what you're saving it for, um, you might as well just pull the shotgun. Yeah, right you now. might as well just go home and blow your brains out. Cue gun sound effects. <laughs> uh, we lost another God. sound guy. Oh shit! <laughs> so back to the movie. Time we're to gonna need another, another Billy. Who really enjoyed the, that scene with the entire set of trying to re- recruit all the bad guys to r- raid the town? They show up with the poster that says, "Are recruiting all the bad guys? Qualifications must be met." At the bottom it says are headly an equal opportunity employer. Oh man, I love I love that when it's like panning through and it's like there's barbarians and there's yeah. like there's Nazis. Nazis and the I like that the one like there's like one gangster in there possible. that rides the horse like a like a Harley. Oh yeah, there's like a motorcycle uh, group that's like in there as well and like there's an anachronism. There you go. <laughs> but you know what? By that point, you were just having so much fun. You're like, you know I what? don't care anymore. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The KKK didn't exist at that point. The Nazis didn't exist at that point. Not not in that current form. They existed. The Nazis did not exist in mid 19th or mid 18th century. I don't know. Let, let's, or mid-19th let's, century, let's see who could win sorry. this argument. Let's let's bring your points to the table. Mid 19th so century. So unzip and pull it out. <laughs> We're not doing this again. We've already done this once. <laughs> Damn it! I was hoping you'd actually. Oh, when there is you. Uh, anyway, so Jeff, you, you get mad about this. I don't know why. Can't can't you just enjoy comedy for the sake of comedy? I do, but it, it just was like, oh, this is something that it, it's there, and it's like this is a point that it always kind of like, why do we need to add this? There's more things you could have done and gone back with like. I, I'm sorry. Did I miss the part where this film turned serious? This film was not serious. Like, at all. You could have done so much more with it and made it more accurate. Okay. No! Why? It's a satire. That is the The native is speaking Yiddish! And this is the point you want to make on? Like, that... Uh, Why do you draw such an insane line in the sand? I'm just going to go ahead and say this movie had a budget of $2.6 million. And at that time, that was a lot of money. It's still uh, a lot of money. Not, not too much in the Hollywood world. Yeah, but still, um, that is that quite a bit. That's 41 years ago. I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, he can't do math, Jeff. Why do you have to keep bringing this up? He's going to go home and cry and never come back. I thought Perfect. I was getting paid a living wage. <laughs> uh, oh, maybe in craft dinner. You know, okay, here, here's the thing, though. Okay, I, um, I heard uh, the character named Lily von Stupp. Okay. And I immediately was like... German. No, I immediately thought of Young Frankenstein. Oh, And really? I actually, right away, like, at that moment, I pulled up my phone, because I was watching it on my computer, and I pulled up my phone, and I Googled Young Frankenstein, and found out it was released the same year. Because the actress who plays the showgirl, Lily Von Stopp, is the same as the Bride of Frankenstein from ah, Young Frankenstein. That's why she's so familiar. Yeah, she is. She is the fiance for Gene Wilder at the beginning when he's like, "Oh, I miss you. Oh, don't mess up the hair. Oh, don't mess up." <laughs> at the beginning, okay, it's actually the same. It's the same actress. Okay, it's the same actress. And so I was kind of disappointed when she was singing her song. I'm so tired. 
Because you know she can sing. Because you know she when actually... she orgasms in that movie, she sings. Well, even then, it's like she like brushes <laughs> yeah, her Brian, hair. Yeah, Brian, that's what you missed she, out on. She actually like brushes her hair and she actually can sing. This woman can actually sing. So when she was singing, I'm so tired. I was waiting for her to like break out into like beautiful song and was actually kind of disappointed. So I wanted to, there, there's a couple things outside of the actual scenes in this movie that I wanted to talk about. So a lot of Mel Brooks stuff is actually done. Uh, he's the sole writer. Uh, he he writes and directs by himself, right? Quite often. Quite often. That's that's his mo. So you see, you can see a lot of Mel Mel uh, Mel Brooks jokes in here. But I, I like to point out about you saying, was it you or Jeff about the fight where it almost didn't feel like a Mel Brooks film until they actually went into the theater and were watching themselves? Like you felt like that gag wasn't. Like, the gag of them watching themselves in the film was more of a Mel Brooks gag that than the Brian. other. Brian yeah, well, that was Brian. Yeah, well, I said, if, if someone pulled that off that wasn't Mel Brooks, it just would have been garbage. No, but yeah. No, it's a it's a very Mel Brooks thing. Yeah, you said yeah. it's a very Mel Brooks thing. Yeah. And you, you made a comment about how when they finally got to the theater, you were like, that was a Mel Brooks moment, right? Like, you, you made that comment. Mel Brooks actually didn't write this by himself. Like, he normally does. He actually had a team of writers on him. So that's cool. why you get, like, so, so much variety in the jokes. Like, they don't all feel like just straight-up Mel Brooks jokes. Like, no, they don't, really. There's a lot of them in there, but there's a lot where you're like, this doesn't quite... This this is Mel Brooks-y, but it's not Mel Brooks. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you got that sense at points. Well, it wasn't consistent. That's that's my only gripe with this film. It was not consistent for me. Neither's you know, SNL. <laughs> we, we don't talk about SNL. Like, every joke you find in this film, you can generally Find-track. determine what kind of writer is writing the jokes, right? Yeah. And he, he, like, Family Guy did a good crack at this, too, where, you know, where Peter goes and makes one joke. He's like, I thought you were both Jewish. The guy's like, I'm half Jewish. <laughs> well, that explains it. You know, Mel Brooks has a very certain sense of humor, and you pick up on it very quick. Ah, that's a Mel Brooks joke. And then there's other parts where it's like, well, this just doesn't line up with the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. I found that quite often with this movie that there are certain things that just didn't line up. Like, Candy Grime from Mongo, though hilarious, it didn't feel it's Mel not a Brooks. mel brooks joke no it didn't really it feel didn't, mel. It didn't feel like i, I did writing. not get that joke like I, I found it funny but i did not get it well it's only just reference i only get yeah. it because people referenced it like other people outside of the film like people i would talk to would say candy grams rongo that's the only reason why i thought it was so funny was because i was like oh my god i get it now it was like i was in on the joke all right so and the other thing because I, I want i said i wanted to talk about a couple things that are outside of the particular thing you know interiors of the movie or the guts of it i guess so one thing that i found really cool about this movie is so this was during a time when they made a big deal out of premieres we don't get that anymore like a premiere happens and everyone's like great well there's gonna be a new movie out in like three weeks anyway who gives a shit that's the time we live in which sucks because there's so many bad movies made and so many mediocre movies that mediocre movies would probably be more would be probably be better if they just made less movies in a weird way, like, I feel like Hollywood just pumps out too much shit. But at this time, there was, that wasn't the case. Like, there wasn't as many movies being put out. So this movie was actually originally premiered in a drive-in. Which I thought was really cool. Because, you know, we don't see that. We are not children of the drive-in era. Well, it made me laugh because... Drive-through era, but not the drive-in. Well, it made me <laughs> laugh because they kind of they kind of satired that and parried that by... The theater they went into at the very end is Grimm's Chinese Theater. Which is... The number the, one Hollywood movie theater that they do all the premieres, red carpet premieres, that is Grimm's China, or Hollywood, Chinese theater. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, this is hilarious because that's not where the premiere yeah, is. Yeah, the premiere <laughs> didn't happen there. They show it premiering there with all the 
cows in the fucking theater, which I thought was funny when he gets his raisinets or whatever. Oh, yeah. I need the raisinets. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he goes and sits down. But, like, the real movie actually got premiered at a drive-in. Yeah. And I, I just always thought that was, like, I thought that was really funny. That, you know, but that's just me because I thought it was ironic. Yeah, it's kind of a funny little quirk about this movie. So, all right. Let's kind of go to this end part. Tony, let's go here first. What would you rate this movie out of five? Oh, you're turning it around on me because you, you know that I tend to actually vote against opposite. I know. You're I'm dead. making you do this first. <laughs> you're you're first. All right. So for me, I'm a big lover of Mel Brooks movies. This isn't my favorite Mel Brooks film. It does have some dry bits to it. And there's a lot to be desired about it for me as well. There's a lot of gags that are great. But to me, this isn't the epitome of Mel Brooks films. So for me, it's got to be probably about a 3.5. Okay, that's a fair rating, I think. Like, just just because of, like, the fact that there are so many slow bits and gags that could go on a little too long. Almost Family Guy style. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's honestly where I sit on it, is 3.5. Brian, where would you sit with this? You know, and this may surprise you, but I have to go a little bit lower than Tony. Three out of five. Now, part of the reasoning is it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a fun movie. But that's it. That's where it stops. It's it's a fun movie. You turn your brain off and you laugh for an hour and a half. But it doesn't leave a lasting impression on you. Doesn't make you grow as a person. <laughs> Maybe I developed some very bad racial stereotypes, but <laughs> <laughs> mostly against the Jews, right? Yes, of course. Nazi Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Well. I can see your point there. Where would you put this, Dash? Okay, so this is tough because um, I went into this movie with a blank mind. I made sure that I went in and I, I actually didn't, like, until I looked it up, I didn't realize it was the same director as Young Frankenstein. I knew it was Gene Wilder, you know, I, but that was probably the only actor I knew going in. And so I actually have to say that except for its slow beginning, I was entertained from beginning to end. And so I gave with the a, exception of the beginning. With the exception of the first slow bits, and then even then, like if I were to watch again, I'd probably think the beginning was funny, just because I you know. Now what, understand it. Well, I know, you what, know to, what to expect. I know what to expect now, so therefore I can be entertained from beginning to end. So I'd actually give it about a four out of five. Yeah, and for me, that's pretty much where I'd sit with it too. It's four out of five. I thought there was a lot of funny things, a lot of parts, but that actually stood up. This movie I've watched so many times from like. I was probably 12 when I watched this movie the first time, so it's kind of a classic movie for me when I go back to my childhood. But I love this movie. There's so many good gags in here. There's so many different parts that make this movie what it is. He sounds like he's about to cry. I don't know. I really don't. The sentiment from my childhood. No, it's just, it's, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, memories almost for this one. Nostalgia. That's the word I'm looking nostalgia. for. Nostalgia. It's nostalgic for me. Yeah. All right. So All right. Fair enough. So this movie in total gets a 12.5 or 14.5 out of 20. Yes. The yes. math is contagious. Yes. <laughs> Damn you. It hasn't gotten to me yet. So hasn't nice. gotten to me yet. You'll never take me alive. <laughs> this has been another episode of Flicks X-Raid. Until next time, I'm your host, Tony. I'm Jeff. Oh, am I supposed to actually say my name? Hi, I'm Natasha. What's up? And I'm Brian. Good night, all. See ya.